Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good evening, everybody. Uh, it's your boy, Alex McCarthy, with My Wrestling Daily. But today, I have a different co-host, Louis Dangor. Out in comes SP3 from True Hill Heat. Stateside in New York. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well, good, sir. It's another Wednesday, and I'm happy to be back with you. I mean, that's it. Every Wednesday, SP3 is in the building. You know Steph Chase will be here on the Thursdays to mop up the Wednesday Night Wars, and of course, Louis will be either side of SP3 and Steph. So, man, really looking forward to this one. We've had some great um, Super Chats in the past few days. We've had some great videos in. I haven't had any roast potatoes yet, SP3. What's going on? I, I, I saw all these analogies for Rate the rate the Spud, Raider Tater, uh, Taters of the Lost Ark. I, I saw a couple <laughs> of good ones. I think it was Daniel Daniel Price. I, I've been liking all of our, our usual suspects in the chat. They are awesome with their analogies. Yeah, yeah. I, I went back and enjoyed a lot of that yesterday. Um, man, I, uh, I never thought I'd be using my own wrestling show to showcase my roast potatoes. How did this happen? I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe it'll be the Tuesday show when people have had their roast on a Sunday, right? You know, midweek roast is asking a lot. Maybe that's I, the problem. Maybe, maybe. I don't I don't know. Maybe it's a weekend type of snag, not a mid midweek, so we'll see. Well, let me tell you something, man. Uh, and Ron Bumby is on the money. Got any thoughts about WWE's plans for the Fiend and Bliss, Alistair Black, AEW, anything for that matter. Send us a super chat and we will make sure they are read out. Indeed, we will. Any amount. And that's been my favorite part of the show since we got going here. Yesterday was a great edition of that where guys were just firing in their hot takes and their opinions. My favorite part of the show. So keep it going, guys. You are a bunch of good eggs. And I don't say that. Um, I don't say that without any real meaning, SP3. If you're a good egg, I'm saying you're a good egg. Uh, I must, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention you can get us on podcast at this point. I say it every show. Um, thank you to the loyal ones who tune in here. But of course, if you want us in your ears while you're going about your business, um, please do get us at all your podcast places. That'd be Apple, Acast, Spotify, all of the good and the bad. So my good eggs, go ahead and do that. And of course, like, share and subscribe. Wrestle2 hovering around 30K. I haven't seen if we've actually made it yet. We might have done, but we were like 30 away yesterday. So 
Hopefully you give us a, a like, share, subscribe. Of course, you've got Alex's Wrestling Daily four times a week, but there's tons of other stuff from the good guys like Mr. Davis and Pete Quinnell and Luke Owens and all of the crew. So without further ado, SP3, let's, um, let's jump into a little bit of news. Oh, before we do that, uh, the resident cocaine fiend, uh, Uptown Avondale, says Alex loves when you give him money. I don't get the money, Uptown. I wish I did. I wish I did, brother. Um, Everybody's got a price. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I can make a side hustle like a super super chat. I don't know, but I'll have to look into that stuff. Um, but anyway, let's talk some news to begin with, man. And I just want to preface anything we say by acknowledging that the U.S. election is on. But I don't personally have anything to say about it. I'm not a politics guy. I'm here in the UK anyway. I wouldn't throw stones at glass houses because the state of us is unbelievable as well. Um, but it must be dominating you at the moment, SP3. It is. And this is not the first time today that I heard someone called themselves not a political person. This is, <laughs> you see what I'm doing? Do you see that? <laughs> you know what the difference is, though, between the two statements is that I didn't go on to make a political statement um, following that. Or so, donate any of your money to campaign. So I, I give you, I give you credit on two forms. I, I don't have, I don't have three bags. And if I did, I would not be chucking three grand at Donald Trump, but there we go. That's another, that's another thing for another matter. Anyway, I hope anyone from America who's tuned in, um, that everything goes the way you hope. That's the best I can say on the matter. Moving on to wrestling. Cause that's why we're here. Um, we've had some nice stuff today, man. We've had some, uh, what I wouldn't call reports, but Zelina Vega was on Lillian Garcia's Chase and Glory podcast, which, by the way, for anyone who hasn't checked it out, go do that because the list of guests she has and the stuff she gets out of them, it can be really personal and great. Um, people really open up to her, so I would really recommend that um, after you watch my show, obviously. And, yeah, so she Zelina was talking about that – Andrade was actually meant to drop the US title to Alistair Black during his, you know, Alistair Black's tear on Raw. And they were meant to tease that Zelina was conflicted. They were meant to, like, allude to the fact that, yes, indeed, they are together in real life um, and kind of bring that to the screen. Paul Heyman clearly had plans for him, right? Clearly had vision for him. He gave him the long run. And I think... It's fair to say that it didn't quite work out with the AI stuff, and now he's on SmackDown. Where do we go from here? Um, I'm not too sure because Alistair Black as a heel, I didn't really get it uh, to me, honestly. Like I, the way he was turned was kind of weird, coming off of you know getting his eye uh, tried to pull out the socket by Stephen uh, Murphy, so. It was kind of weird for him to not even look for revenge on them and then go and attack KO. So <laughs> I I think it's going to be kind of awkward for now because he has to find the right uh, babyface partner for him. I mean, Daniel Bryan is a great person to go after because you're always going to get heat if you attack Daniel Bryan. But he seems to be more positioned against Jey Uso and our, our tribal chief, uh, Roman Reigns. So. Our tribal chief, sure. Thank Absolutely. Our tribal chief, the tribal chief, your tribal chief, everyone's tribal chief. <laughs> so I, I'm all for that because I've always wanted Daniel Bryan and uh, Roman Reigns to have another go at it. 
but we're going to see how that transpires. So, you know, Kevin Owens, he's already been down that route. Who else is there? What other top baby faces is there for him, him to feud with? That's kind of the question right now. But I think it would have been great if he did have that feud with Andrade on Monday Night Raw. But it kind of feels like to me that that matchup, uh, the Raw after WrestleMania between Aleister Black and Apollo Crews, is kind of like their fortunes kind of went like ships in the in the in the night and they went crossing and Alistair Black was on his way up the ladder while Apollo Crews has been down the ladder for like the past four years and then that one great match that they had over 20 minutes on a Monday Night Raw is shot Apollo Crews up the ladder past uh, Alistair Black so it's kind of weird to me but I just haven't had that same vibe for Alistair Black like I did in NXT for quite some time. Yeah, I got told a few months ago that Vince liked the performer Alistair Black very much. Like he rates him. Um, it was the character that he didn't think really had that many legs. And I think that's, that's a bit rough on Alistair because I, I actually thought there was a lot of things you could have could have done to explore him. He was quite mysterious and dark, and you could have took that in a multitude of directions. But instead, they for some reason lumbered him in with the eye storyline. I don't. You know, I, I don't see how that correlates to anything that he's doing. Um, and it's a shame because his talent is right there. You could put him in a match with anybody and he'll, he'll he'll give you a good match. And sometimes that's a curse, as we've learned with the likes of Cesaro and so on. Um, but I, I honestly think Alistair Black has the intangibles to be like a top, top star. And I just... I, I don't um I think at the moment they've kind of put him there without a plan and they'll wait for something to open up for him. They'll try and slide him in somewhere. And it's a shame because I honestly think he's somebody you should be utilizing, you know, at at the at the top of the program. I, I even, you know, people probably forget this. I even loved him in Ricochet as a tag team. You look at where they both are now, and you think probably could do with going back together. <laughs> like not a lot is going on. I know they're on different brands, but I mean you, you know, you look at why they were separated in the first place to go on their journeys, probably could have kept them as, as is for a while. Um, you, you know, certainly something you can return to or make that a feud because there's history and stuff. But at the moment, both of them are kind of just drifting along aimlessly. Um, yeah, I I feel for Alistair Black um, and I it would have been good for him to get that first title reign and, you know, having that story with Zelina and that could have gone in some cool directions, but uh, unfortunately it doesn't look like that it's going to happen imminently. Um, but, you know, speaking of Zelina Vega, I really hope good things for her too, because the women's division is kind of, it's, I want to say it's stacked, but it's split, right? Like, yeah. you know, we have, we've got great women, but they're kind of like, eh. Um, so I feel like there is room for someone like Zelina. And you would argue that she's probably the best talker, I was about to say in WWE, she's certainly the best female talking WWE for my money. I, I would say she's definitely up there. I would I would put her right along with like Bailey. Bailey's probably my favorite, but yeah, I would say Selena and Bailey are right there for the best female talkers in WWE. You can't, you can't say that about saying ding dong. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I, I I just love Bailey. Bailey just gets it, gets her character so much, and that's why she's my favorite. But Selena Vega is right up there with her. The the other part of the interview with uh Lillian Garcia that I enjoyed the most was the fact that uh Triple H thought her and Andrade were in a relationship together. And he was like kind of uh taken aback by 
finding out that she was with Alistair Black, he's like, Andrade and you? She's like, no, 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 we're friends. I'm actually going out with Alistair. So how does how does Triple H not know that either? Because you know, he knows Charlotte Flair and Rick very well. Like, come on, man. He must know. Maybe maybe they weren't together then. I don't know. Because when they were, because all oh, right, it's probably in NXT we're thinking about this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. okay, that makes more sense, I guess. But I mean, to be fair, I think. I mean, I did. I didn't, but I. Th- I think a lot of people would have made that assumption just based on the presentation. Like that's typically how it is, right? A female manager. There's normally that connection there, some way. Like, um, you know, who was Eminem, uh, Melina, right back in the day, who was actually yeah. with Morrison at the time, and you know, I know that's just one example, but you can forgive some fans, and apparently Triple H <laughs> for making that mistake. Um, man, I'll tell you what. I want to start early. I want to start hot with a hot take. And the reason I do this as well is because you know this guy, SP3. We do. It's our very own Chris G. This is your boy, Chris G. And this is my extremely hot, heated take. Ilya versus Walter, or Volter, was four stars at best. Oh, yeah. <laughs> first my of all, guy. first of all, it's not or Volta, it is Volta, okay? There is no either or, it is Volta. And um, listen, four stars is still, you know, very highly regarded. That's still a great match. Um, so I'm not going to take that to heart too much, Chris G, um, with your joints and jabronis. But what I will say um, is that I think it stands alone totally as its own type of match this year. I've said this on the show this week. There's nothing else like it this year. It's the best match of the no fans era. Um, it's classic guy who loves beating someone up versus guy who, you know, loves taking it apparently. Uh, and it's the battle of wheels. I just thought it was amazingly well done. That's just my opinion. Um, so for me, if we're saying, if we're looking at like what five, if, if Pentagon, and Omega is five-star, right, on, and Dave Meltzer's book. But I don't see how Volta and Dragunov isn't, because one of them was like a master of their own. One of them was more like art than the other. I agree with that point of it. I am closer to Chris G than I am to Dave Meltzer on the rating. I don't think it was a five-star match. I feel like a five-star match is a perfect match, and over the years I feel like it has some type of impact. So I, I think it's very close, honestly. It's like right in like four and a half stars, but it if it, I, if, it, if, it if it's not perfect, what's wrong with it? I just I if it had fans and it had a different, a different that's that's fault. Fault. Yes, yes. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's their fault. I'm just saying that it would have been a perfect match with fans and with Dragonoff winning. I think I think Walter okay. Walter getting the victory it kind of you know brought you back down. Whereas when Walter beat uh, Tyler Tyler Bate, I I thought that was the right outcome. I didn't think Tyler Bate had to beat Walter, and I felt like that match was better mainly because they they also had a crowd. So I'm not gonna I'm not judging it on just the crowd. I think the outcome has something to do with it. Why I don't give it five stars. I've seen five star matches, but. I've never really seen one without fans, to be honest. I've never, I never thought a perfect match is a match with no fans involved. So I think the fans add to a match like that. And I think it would have made it five stars with the same type of match, just with a different outcome and with fans there. It's perfect to me. But 
I think it's a fantastic match. It stands on its own. I, I agree with uh, Meltzer to a point. It's probably the most brutal non-street fight or no disqualification match in WWE history. I think uh, Cactus Jack in uh, Triple H from Raw Rumble 2000 is probably the most brutal I've ever seen, but that was a street fight. Weapons. So this is, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is different. This is totally different. And a lot of that has to do with Walter is probably the most physical, intense performer in, in, in professional wrestling. He's right up there with Minoru Suzuki and Tomohiro Ishii to me when it comes to just how physical and how stiff as a horse. Shouts out to your jobber, JJ. Yeah. <laughs> stiff as a horse, they work. So I give, uh, you know, Walter a lot of credit for that. And I've seen Walter have five-star matches. I just don't think this was one of them. I do. Um, and the reason I'll counter that is because I think – uh, actually, on the reason why you're saying it's not or one of with the fans, I actually feel like they used that to make that uh, an integral part of the match. They made the hard hitting, um, the brutality of it all and the fact that you could hear everything. They actually used that to their advantage to make the match more impactful, to tell their story even better. That's just my opinion on that. Um, and I feel like in terms of using those surroundings, if we're talking like in 2020, what is a five star match, then to me that. They did everything. They it, it, Not only did they cope with the circumstances, they actually used them to their advantage. So for me, that's just my take. But of course, wrestling is subjective. And um, that's, to, you know, that's totally fine. I think we can all appreciate it was bloody good. So, um, oh. uh, and Chris G, <laughs> we saw the handsome fellow on the screen there. Um, SB3, alert everyone to um, this joints and jabroni maniac and how you know him. Yes, check out Chris G. He's on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel with Joints and Jabronis, where he reviews all the botches and jabronis in professional wrestling every single month with his lovely assistant, Mary Jane. So he has an awesome show. He also does a review for WWE NXT and AEW Dynamite over on that YouTube channel called Wednesday Night Warriors with Romeo Anthony Cologne. So this guy is a, has a hilarious and he has a lot of hot takes and i think he's picked aew as the better show for like 53 weeks straight so he is biased by the way but he is my good <laughs> point <laughs> yeah just to qualify the statement there now um i must say i was on a pod the true who heat with um sb3 and chris g and i decided i like the guy in about 60 seconds of him talking he's just very infectious good guy so give him a chance man check him out without a doubt Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, first super chat of the night. Welcome, Metal Bear. Thank you very much, my friend, for dropping in that, that super chat. I don't know how this company has talent like Andrade, Mustafa. Uh, how do I say SP3? He gets heated about this. Mustafa Ali. Yes. Mustafa. Mustafa. Don't get it wrong, man. Mustafa. He'll call you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Alistair, Alistair Black, Keith Lee and Chad Gable, but keep putting titles on guys like R-Truth and Randy Orton. Metal Bear. I understand your point, but don't be out here dragging our truth from Randy Orton to make a point. Come on. Um, I like our truth for what it's worth, and I think Orton's a generational talent. But um, to your point, there's a lot of great talent there, man. I've been beating the drum about Chad Gable for so long. I, I challenge anyone to go back and watch him, what he used to do in NXT. His map-based stuff is unbelievable. He's not just – you know, yeah, you've seen him kind of – Little guy, strong, German suplexes. Like He's got that, man, but his technique is honestly unbelievable. The amateur background and how he incorporates it into a match. I wish WWE would let him do that. I really do. Um, I also I also feel like he has so much charisma that they haven't really capitalized on since he's been called up to the main roster. Like the behind the backstage stuff between him and Jason Jordan when they first made American Alpha. I yeah, yeah. saw that kind of spark in him, that kind of Kurt Angle dorky charisma. So I, I think that they haven't really capitalized on that. And I, I honestly, I, I will agree with our good friend, uh, Adam Blompier. Uh, he would have made a perfect illegitimate son of Kurt Angle instead of Jason Jordan. I, I think they, they honestly ended up doing it to, to, to swerve because it made too much sense. That's yes. what I think. I think that that probably was the idea. And then they were like, eh, you know, people will spot that coming. And they went the total opposite direction um, with Jason Jordan. Um, but, I don't know, man. Like for me, Chad Gable's got all the talent in the world. You, he, he's there to be utilized. He's literally right there. If, if WWE let him slip through their fingers, he's the kind of guy that could go to Japan and seriously would do amazing things. I mean that. I, I would stand by that comment. Um, Mustafa Ali is another guy that I've harped on about for so long. Um, said that he deserves so much more. It's crazy that they could have him factored in to, win, to you know, challenge and possibly win the title what we're we talking about now 18 months ago yeah and then here we are and they got they got like they had nothing for him for so long and then they've kind of just given him retribution to save themselves you know as much as anything else not really doing it for ali and um and here we are so it just shows you how hot and cold they can go alistair black the same keith lee i've heard tremendous things about keith lee like after Orton put him over clean a couple of guys reached out to me and said about how um they had actually witnessed um, Vince and, and others telling Orton to make Keith look great and that was the mission and they wanted to push him hard and where has he been since? Like um, Andrade, the same. 
I went, you know, when he was first coming on Raw and he had that, you remember the ladder match with Rey Mysterio where like Rey nearly died. Um, and I was like, man, he's on a tear. He is right there. But, you know, there, there's a common theme with pretty much everyone you've listed there, uh, except for Mustafa Ali, because I feel like his promo game has been great. Um, yeah. Chad Gable is one of them guys who, like, in the ring has loads of charisma. His facials, um, the way he does, you know, goes about his business and uh, reacts to stuff. On the mic, still figuring it out, I think, right? He doesn't have that kind of natural, um, yeah, natural heat or flow on the microphone. Alistair Black as well is very kind of character-driven. And when Vince McMahon is sending you to change that character, again, it's a bit of a feeling out process. Um, I think Keith Lee is only just finding his voice too. And Andrade, of course, as we know, only speaks a little bit of English. Um, I do believe he's got a lot better, but he only speaks a little bit. So... I feel like instantly, like someone like Angel Garza, who also I am huge on, I feel like he's got all the charisma and talent in the world. Um, he'll he'll leapfrog a guy like Andrade just just because he can talk. So it's yeah. You have to remember, everyone, we're living in a Vince McMahon world. Yes, in the eyes of a seventy-year-old man that seventy-five. Oh, seventy-five. <laughs> Sheesh, seventy-five <laughs> year old man that seemingly does not really know always what his fans want to see. This is how he views all these people. But like I said, like Chad Gables has shown before, he has charisma and like the backstage stuff. Uh, Andrade, Andrade just has his own particular type of charisma himself. Um, and I agree with you. Those matches with Rey Mysterio, especially the ones on SmackDown when Rey first came back to the company, I just thought Andrade was going to get shot to the moon and that he was going to get a main event push. But it just wasn't in the cards. And I thought the same thing about Keith Lee. Yes, yes, I agree with you, Kendall. <laughs> Tempest, Tempest knows we will get stiff as a horse on a shirt one day. He knows. He knows. We Go will. On. We will. And Keith, Keith Lee, I was... 10, 10 ahead of everybody. And I was like, he beat Randy Orton. They're going to give him the big push. He's going to be in the main event. Randy Orton's going to win the WWE title. And then he's going to feud with Keith Lee for the title. That's going to elevate him. And we're still waiting. So I'm hoping that him being on Team Raw at Survivor Series is going to show, is going to continue, you know, what we, the trend that we started last year with Keith Lee breaking out at Survivor Series. But we just have to wait and see. And they were going to push Keith Lee to the moon. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I honestly think that things changed. Um, like the Miz um, becoming Mr. Money in the Bank is not a well thought out decision. I think that's only a month or two old, perhaps. And I think all of this has had a knockdown effect, which has pushed Keith Lee out of the picture. Because originally, I have to imagine that uh, it was going to be Keith Lee, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton. That was going to be the title picture. Now you've got The Fiend in that mix and you've got The Miz. And it's just kind of edged Keith Lee out of the picture a little bit. Um, and it's fine if you book him well and you find a story for him, but he's not going to be the immediate thing that we all thought, I guess. So anyway, let's um, pivot back to some, some news. Uh, Mike Johnson of PW Insider is saying that Alexa uh, Bliss and Bray Wyatt, of course, the fiend we were just talking about, are being presented as baby faces. Um, that is how they're internally thought of in the company. Um, I guess it's worth clarifying from Johnson's perspective. I don't really class that as news. I think it's quite obvious they're baby faces in many ways, especially who they're targeting. And um, I know that they're kind of darker characters. But I do think they're kind of very popular and, you know, if there was a crowd right now, they'd be 
getting popped for sure. And I think even the the crowd noises they've piped in for the Fiend since SummerSlam and whatnot have all been positive. So it's you know I I think that makes all the sense. How they book them as baby faces in ring is when it gets tricky. I think the confusion is more because of, you know, you got Alexa Bliss where she's seemingly starting a feud or still continuing a feud with Nikki Cross, who is definitely a baby face. So yes. I, that's that's a little bit of the confusion. Then you have The Fiend kind of with that two-week uh, feud with Kevin Owens, who is definitely a baby face. But I agree with you. Ever since they've been on Monday Night Raw, The Fiend has taken out uh, Retribution, who are definitely heels. He's been targeting Randy Orton, who is definitely a heel. But I think I think that's where they needed the clarification that, yes, they are baby faces. But I totally agree with you. If there was fans in attendance, The Fiend would probably be the biggest baby face on Monday Night Raw. And we seemingly saw basically... After Drew. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that The Fiend has been like the most entertaining part of Monday Night Raw consistently since he's came over. And I think that we saw a double turn at SummerSlam or before SummerSlam with Braun Strowman turning heel and The Fiend becoming a babyface. But yeah. they just haven't really gave us that one moment where people are going to be like, okay, that was his babyface turn. We just haven't seen that yet. So that's why we need the clarification. Listen, I mean, was The Fiend ever ever heel? Like, in the eyes of the fans? This is what you have to ask yourself. Like, And I know it's the same as saying, okay, well, Roman Reigns has always been heel, but he hasn't because of the way he acts. So it's a double-edged sword. You can't make the case for one and not the other. But at the same time, I do feel like WWE misbooked The Fiend, especially with that Rollins stuff at Hell in a Cell. I mean, we all know that was tragic. But they did miscast him. And I feel like they thought that Goldberg beating him was like a cool moment in Saudi, but it wasn't. Um, either that or they actually had the long plan. They were like, the fans will hate Goldberg winning that, and thus they will love Reigns beating Goldberg. Like They might have done that. I don't know. But either way, man, um, I feel like we have to get the bs out here and we have to give um, Mr. Mike Johnson the, the green. Do we not, SB3? We'll give him the green light. There he is. No BS to be seen here. For PW Insider. Um, listen, we are. I must say at the halfway point of the show, guys, get your super chats in. We love discussing those. Any amount we will read out on this show. Uh, and because me and SB3 will love a debate. And we're about to have one right now. Because of anyone who caught yesterday's show, SB3 made the case that Kenny Omega was the best in-ring performer in 2020. His words. Where is it? Right there. Yes. It, it um, he is. No, he's not. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm going to let you make your case, okay? And then I will provide a rebuttal as to why Drew is better. Please go ahead, SP3. Kenny Omega has been in the best match of 2020, which was the Revolution Tag Team match with him and Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks. Arguably one of the greatest tag team matches in the history of professional wrestling. Then he was in one of the best TV matches, probably in my, I, I actually wrote an article for Sports Kita that it was the greatest AEW Dynamite match in history against PAC, the Iron Man match, the 30 minute Iron Man match, which was three days before that tag team match. He's hang had, on, hang yeah. on. did you, um, I, I, I'm generally saying this because I'm not sure I caught what you said. Did you say it was the greatest Iron Man ever? 
No, the greatest AEW Dynamite. Okay, right. That's fine. No, no, no. Please go. I, I, I can't go that far. I know that you use my words wisely, but it was the be- one of the best TV matches of the entire year with Pac on that, on that episode of Dynamite. Okay. He's yeah. had great matches with Trent on, on Dynamite. He's been in a great tag team match with uh, Hangman Page versus the Lucha Bros on Dynamite. He has consistently had the match of the night on Dynamite much more times than Drew McIntyre has had the best match on Monday Night Raw. I can't even tell you one great or really good match Drew McIntyre has had on Monday Night Raw. I do feel that Drew McIntyre has had really good matches on pay-per-view. The Seth Rollins match at Money in the Bank being one, the match with Randy Orton at SummerSlam, and the match with Randy Orton at Clash of Champions. But outside of that, I he's had it maybe three times the best match on, on a pay-per-view, while Kenny Omega has had one of the best matches every single time out on pay-per-view. I would say All Out is the only exception against uh, FTR. That was below some people's expectations, but he had one of the greatest cinematic matches of all time at du- Double or Nothing in the stadium. Hey, and he, there's, there's 10 people and, in that. Hey, Kenny Omega, they, they have credited him as the person who came up with a lot of the ideas. Him and Chris Jericho towards basically the people that they said were the masterminds behind this because of his background in DDT in, in Japan. So this was his type of style with that stadium stampede. So he came up with the, a lot of the ideas, especially the finale with that one-winged angel off the, off the, uh, off the top of the stadium onto Sammy Guevara. So Kenny Omega has been delivering on a consistent basis. He just had another great match against Pentagon on AEW Dynamite. So he has been more consistent with gr- very good to great matches than Drew McIntyre. And I dis- I also disagree with you kind of de- discrediting uh, New Japan. New Japan, Minoru Suzuki at 52 years old is probably having one of the best in-ring years of anyone in the business. So Hang I on. think that he is right there. Hang in on. You can't say I discredited New Japan. That's you said, a, you said you, because they were in you've lockdown. Used, you've, used, you've used the wrong word. The discredit would be to say that New Japan was like poor. That's not what I'm doing. I'm not saying that they're out of the conversation because they're not great. Use your words correctly, SP3, if you're going to come sure. at me, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying that New Japan, it, I feel like you could only credit the best wrestler of the year for someone who's been doing it the year, right? If, if there's promotions that have had to sit out for large chunks, which New Japan did, then, you know, because the quality and quantity, that is part of the criteria. You just said it yourself with Kenny Omega, right? Yeah. So, no, so you can't then say, oh, well, you know, Suzuki, yeah, he's only worked half the year. That's the fact, right? So I take what you're saying. He's got a great body of work, and he'd be in my top 10, probably, just if you're looking at the quality in there. But I wouldn't put him above the people that have been flying the flags for WWE and AEW, who have been doing it all year long through the pandemic too, which, again, as we said with Ilya and Walter, presents its own set of challenges. You have to reward people for doing that too. And that, you know, that that is, if anything, harder. Um, and I understand that the G1 and stuff, and it's, you know, it's been amazing. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, that's the, I only really watched the G1 and Wrestle Kingdom and blown away. Sure, Suzuki, amazing. But I don't... Um, I think you're being way too generous on great for Kenny Omega. Like, like I've seen great Kenny Omega matches, and I haven't seen many of those in AEW. If we're talking great New Japan, Kenny, right? That's two different entire. Enti- hang on, you're gonna have a chance. They're two tight. Enti- <laughs> they're two entirely different things, right? For me, the tag matches, yeah, absolutely. I would probably agree that it's the 
it's certainly the best tag match of the year, if not decade, in the conversation ever. Um, in the conversation for best match, full stop this year. Absolutely, sure. And, and I feel sorry for it because it was like way back in February now, which feels like a thousand years ago. So I'm looking at other matches like even Sasha and Bailey, and I'm like, thinking, oh, that's amazing. But I know in my head that tag match was sensational. So I'm not going to take that away from Kenny. I'm not saying he hasn't had a great year. It just hasn't. I feel like if someone else had some of the matches that Kenny Omega had sometimes, they wouldn't be lauded half as much. But because it's Kenny Omega, and I'm not putting you in this category, but there are a lot of loyalists that are like, no, no, Kenny Omega is amazing. Like, regardless, you, there's like nothing you can say sometimes on Twitter. Like, no, 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 you know, he's amazing. Yeah, no, he is amazing. He is. like, And yeah, the, the Omega and Pac match, that's another one I'll grant you. Top, top draw. But for me, when I look at Drew McIntyre and 2020, okay, he literally came from where he was on the card and then he had the Royal Rumble, which, and I understand that that's a niche match, but if you're going to include Stadium Stampede and whatnot, then I don't see why not. Yeah, um, Amazing performance. To, like, to have the crowd with him by the end of that, where they really, really wanted him to win it, that's no small feat, right? He comes out of that. The Brock Lesnar feud is red hot. I didn't like the WrestleMania match. Okay? I'll, I'll concede, you know, Kenny, so what's Kenny up at this point? Like, two one i guess right so like i'll concede that um then i know we're talking about like great you know great tv matches or whatnot but really if you're the champion of the best company in the world and when i say best for wwe you know what i mean in terms of the uh, the money that it generates and where it touches around the world the biggest company is probably the more free word when you are the champion the wwe champion hasn't actually always been someone that then has the one of the best matches on pay-per-view Drew McIntyre was doing that. He did it with Seth Rollins at Money in the Bank, right? He did it with Bobby. La he made Bobby Lashley interesting again, right? MVP. That was I would I would say that was a four star match with, that he had with Bobby Lashley. I would say the matches with Dolph Ziggler had no right to be as good as they were because you knew who was going to win them. But if anyone sits there and tells me they weren't good matches, I, won't, I honestly won't hear it because they were. Right. From a technical standpoint and the way they built them, particularly the um, the one uh, extreme rules, I want to say, you know, where Dolph made his own rules at the last minute and stuff. I should he had, know this. He had extreme rules, but Drew didn't. There you have it. Right. That was um, that was well done. Um, so for me, I feel like the reason I'm holding Drew in, in the higher esteem from Kenny is because he was put in the position to bat as WWE champion for the first time. And every single time. On pay-per-view, he had one of, if not the best match on the pay-per-view. Bar, not Helena Cell, although I thought him and Randy did a good story, but I feel like the other two matches overshadowed them. Completely different matches, by the way, but I still preferred the other two. Um, and I feel like the uh, the SummerSlam match he had with Randy is wildly underrated too. I thought that was a really, really well done. So I, it's one of them where I get it that what Omega does is amazing. And at his apex in terms of being the worker, sure, the arguments there and the body of work probably is in Omega's side to this point. But I feel like we're talking about 2020 and nobody has like led consistently through the months like McIntyre has. I, I can say every month that he's put on a great out and is like the champion or, you know, when he was leading up to it. For Omega, for me, started really hot. Then there's a bit of a gap. And I love the story that he's doing. To me, there is. 
the like those first few months are where Puck was and and the tag match, right? And then yeah. and then and then to me it's just steady work. I don't think you had amazing work. I don't think the um you mentioned it yourself, the FTR tag match. I sat there so excited for that match, and it just wasn't quite and and I think you know the temperature, the um the, the way the crowd had reacted because of the Hardy and Guevara stuff, like there's it's not his fault necessarily. I'm not knocking either of them, they're both amazing. But um yeah, I don't I, I feel like even McIntyre's match with Big Show on Raw was, was was really good considering it's with Big Show and he managed to create that. Um even Bobby Roode a few weeks ago was really good. He's had good matches with I mean, I don't know if it, it wasn't this year actually, I was about to say Ricochet. Was it this year? Uh, no, I don't think so. But it was good, man. Anyway, the point <laughs> that, the, 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 my, my main um, point here is just that I feel through the months of 2020, Drew is the guy who's kept knocking it. He's kept getting up to bat for the biggest company in the biggest spotlight in the biggest spots. That's and To me, that should count. I think that you're, you're kind of you're, – you're comparing Kenny Omega to Kenny Omega. Where I'm comparing, no, no, I'm comparing every- Drew to Kenny here. <laughs> I know what you're saying. The no, point, the point your, I'm making is that people initial, say that. Okay. Your initial point was comparing Kenny Omega to Kenny Omega. Where I I had to stop doing that in 2019 because I was disappointed in his 2019 when I felt like he did have some great matches. It wasn't the Kenny Omega that I was used to from his stellar all-time years in 2017, 2018. But comparing him to everyone else in professional wrestling, I feel like he's had a stronger 2020. I feel like every month he's had a really good to great match. And I feel like for you, the FTR match was disappointing. For me and for you, you you just said the Brock Lesnar WrestleMania match for Drew was disappointing. I feel like Drew makes a stronger argument for wrestler of the year when you you put in the fact that he is leading the biggest company in the business, that he was given a, a bigger spot than he's been used to, and he has drove the WWE in that number one position. He makes a stronger argument for wrestler of the year when you put in all those other things. But when you're just talking about in-ring output, I think that Kenny Omega is far and away number one ahead of a lot of different people. And even with the wrestler of the year argument, I could probably change positions and still argue against Drew McIntyre because I feel like John Moxley has had a stronger wrestler of the year uh, uh, argument than Drew McIntyre. But when we're just talking about in-ring output, Kenny Omega has a all-time tag team match, a phenomenal a phenomenal singles match with Pac at on Dynamite in the Iron Man match. He's had the stadium, the stadium stampede, and I'll give you the Royal Rumble for Drew, but He's had great matches on TV as well. I think that's the one that it just is the difference between Drew and and Omega for me. They both have put out really good to great matches on pay-per-view, but I feel like Omega is more consistent on television than Drew McIntyre. And that's not to say that Drew McIntyre hasn't had good matches on television. He just hasn't been given the opportunities that Kenny Omega is to stand out on television. I feel like he's had strong title matches against uh, Private Party, The Dark Order. Uh, every single tag team that it, Hangman and Kenny Omega went against, they usually had the best match on Dynamite or one of the best matches. And we always talked about it at the end of the week. So I just feel that Kenny Omega has had a much more consistent in-ring output in 2020. Um, I mean, again, like I, and it depends what people look for. Because when you say in-ring... There's a section of people that will go, well, you know, technical wrestling or high spots, whatever you want to say. 
Um, I feel like Drew McIntyre's had a story behind every feud and he's worked that really well into his stories that not many people could rival in 2020. That's very different to saying that he did the, t- the work that Kenny did. Do you know what I'm saying? That's yeah. t- I guess that's two different discussions, but that is kind of where I'm coming from. I feel like Drew is... Uh, in every feud, every story, every match, he's made it matter and he's put it on a, you know, he's knocked him out of the park, in my opinion, on every stage. I'm not, um, as I say this, I want people to know that I think Kenny Omega is amazing, right? Like he obviously is. And um, I I, I don't disagree with what you said. And I love the story that's playing out with him and Handman. That is the match I'm looking forward to the most this Sunday. I know people are saying, you know, there's a lot to look forward to with Jericho, MJF and Bucks and FDR. But uh, to me, Hangman, uh, Hangman and Omega is like the money angle. You could really, I just think Paige can be huge by the end of, by the time they're done with that. But um, yeah, it, it's, I guess um, you can't, I said this to you before we came on air, you can't lose because they both have been like amazing. Um, it's a subjective thing. I, I'm probably being biased just because I feel like Drew has, has risen to such a point this year and, I, and again, this is where we're both judging different criteria because I'm like, yeah, well, you know, it matters if you deliver on pay-per-view and you're going, yeah, well, TV matches, quality week in, week out, which obviously does matter, consistency. Um, yeah. They're both great. That's the answer. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I think if I have to be totally transparent like, and, and like like laying the de- debate on the table, I, I will give it to you. I will say, okay, like you've made a convincing point. Um, so I'm not going to – I'm never going to be above saying I'm wrong, but I'm just saying I do feel like Drew deserves some props. I think he does. It, honestly, he's the best, the best positioned uh, babyface in WWE since Daniel Bryan, and that's like six years ago. When you really think about it, like he's he's presented himself in such a way that he's a star. He's putting out great matches on a on a consistent basis on pay per view. I I feel like the Seth Rollins match does not get enough credit because that that was probably my favorite match of the early part of WWE's year, but. Like I said, I just prefer Kenny Omega's 2020 in-ring output. But like I also said, Drew McIntyre deserves a lot of votes and a lot of credit for being the wrestler of the year for what he's done in WWE. Mm, absolutely. Uh, Tempest, who, who who I'm seeing in the comments, is just uh, spamming with his Omega love. Omega is literally <laughs> in the best storyline in years this year with Hangman Page. Uh, spanning Thank you. Year. Yes, but that is not the point I was making. The point I'm making is that Drew in every single feud has had a story woven in that is a great long-running story of course but that's not what um the point we were making i, I do agree that is the best storyline if apart from the tribal chief i think that's my uh favorite at the moment but of course omega and page is getting to do you know what i mean it's getting yeah. to its apex after that long slow burn i love a slow burn i really can't wait for it to play out um jobber jj sorry suzuki number one wrestler of 2020 again it's hard to argue i told you why i'm not going to um do that for me just because i feel like you should have wrestled the entire year but the body of works there sp3 right oh absolutely that's why i had to mention suzuki i used the wrong word i will give you i will say that i discredit was a strong word and i should have <laughs> but i just i had to show love to suzuki because 52 years old i saw him go move for move with will osprey in the g1 he had before Walter and Ilya Dragunov, the best empty arena match I saw all year was Suzuki versus Nagata in the New Japan Cup 2020. Yeah. And that was right after the, the whole lockdown. And I just, I just feel that even with eight months of the year, Suzuki is going to get a lot of votes for being the best in-ring performer of 2020. Um, so just to confirm, uh, SV3 has won 
the uh, the inaugural wrestling daily debate for Kenny Omega Worker of 2020. And I will say, as a supporting argument, um, I love his entrance. I like I, I, the, the 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 smarkiness is amazing with the um, observer stuff as well. Like, it's amazing. It really is. Uh, let's get to another hot take, SB3. We've got one more in the chamber, and it is from Kenny Omega's be- biggest fan, Tempest. What's going on, guys? This is the Quizzlemania fact checker, Tempest, coming at you with a hot take, and that is, I believe, one of the worst characters in all of wrestling since 2014 has been Bray Wyatt. His character prior to losing to John Cena was fantastic with the cult leader status, but since then, all of his promos have just been babbling nonsense building to matches that you don't care about seeing. He has very good delivery, and he's very smart in putting together his material, but as a character, what is the purpose of The Fiend? He's just mindless destruction. Mm, I mean, um, first of all, his dog is so, so cute. I couldn't stop looking at it. Um, he, 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 um, he, he put the dog on Chrysalmania the other day, and I literally couldn't stop um waxing miracle about how cute it was anyway i'm gonna get the dog off the brain i, I want to buy one so bad um the fiend uh, tempest does make some good points there um <sighs> i don't know if i like it though like i i i'm a big fiend fan but i can understand where he's coming from is what i'm trying to say sp3 like i feel like um the, the fiend's agenda is normally to right the wrongs of who he has faced before, right? You've got Bray Wyatt, but the the thing that makes the fiend come by is the the wrestlers that have wronged him in the past, and that's why we've had Daniel Bryan, Finn Balor, um, Cena, of course, at WrestleMania, and it seems now why he's looking at uh, Randy Orton, as we all know why the with the with the fire, we all know what happened there. Um, so I feel like if that is explored properly. And his goal is to change them and, you know, right the wrongs of his past. Then I'm still on board with that. And I don't feel like that's totally gone away at the moment. But I do feel like WWE goes through phases of like, okay, well, what next? Like, how do we get to this point? And they kind of have him target random people that, like you said, you said earlier, right? KO for like two weeks. It's all right. Well, that's done. Um, KO KO hasn't changed. Um, So it doesn't, like, I, I feel like the, first few months as tempest said were the most effective of the fiend and i still find the firefly funhouse great but i i the only thing i'll concede to tempest here is that yes um i do feel like along the way they have kind of um meandered a little bit with the fiend whereas he's at his best when really in those cutting storylines and that's what i want to see with alton like you know there's a lot of revenge to be had there he burned down his damn house sb3 I want to see some stuff happen. Uh, what do you think? And then, and then he smashed the the ashes of his uh, his dead sister. Like, yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot there's a lot to explore there with him and Randy Orton. I can agree with Tempest to a point that it just seems like Bray Wyatt as a character has been on a downward spiral since he lost to John Cena at WrestleMania 30. 
And I think that a lot of the reason why people enjoy The Fiend so much is that it felt like a rehabilitation of Royal Wyatt. But I, I do agree that they just sometimes just don't know where they want to go with him. And I, it was a huge mistake. Lomain is a hell of a lunch. I, <laughs> it is, it is a, it was a huge, like, uh, fork in the road by him feuding with Seth Rollins and going after the Universal title in the first place. I just feel like that was just the wrong move altogether. And that it was just after his first match with Finn Balor that he was already in the title picture and it just threw him on a whirlwind. And he had the feud with Goldberg, which really happened for no reason. And there was no way he was going to change Goldberg because Goldberg's been the same for about 25 years now. So it, it just seems like they don't always know what they want to do with The Fiend. Right now, he's in a good position because he is going after someone that does deserve, he does need vengeance on. But when he doesn't have that type of like opposition that he needs, it's just directionless altogether. Mm. We do have a super chat here as well from Bo Hill, a good friend of the show. Uh, Fiend, Bliss, Roman, don't put Fiend on TV for at least a year. Just Firefly, Funhouse, and Bliss. Bray, Bliss, Roman, Usos, Heyman. That is something I would love to see. Um, Bo, can't argue with that, man, in terms of what you would like to see. Damn, yeah, I want to see that, of course. Um, I want to see the bloodline um, or, you know, whatever it's going to be called, the Samoan dynasty, or I, I don't I don't know what they're going with at the moment. Um, you know, all of that working with Bray, could be really cool and obviously roman and bray have got loads of history so it could work um don't have the fiend on tv for at least a year what do you want him to do sit at home and pick up his cash i mean it's a great gig if you can get it um but i mean i i, I do love the fiend and bliss right now so um sometimes with that sort of stuff less is more what do you think sp3 I, I do think that the fiend doesn't need to be on television as much as he has been I think that if they spread it out, it becomes like a bigger attraction. And that's what Bray Wyatt should have always been. He should have always been a special attraction. But they just made him a regular character. They made him like everyone else a long time ago. And with The Fiend, they've somehow over the past 18 months made him special. And they just need to keep on that, keep on that route without putting him on television so much. Um, I, I don't, I'm not too sure about Bray and Roman. I was not a big fan of that when that was being uh, rumored to be the next feud because I was like, who loses? Roman right now should not be losing. And Bray, his whole character is all about not losing. So unless he's going to face the Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt or the, the Swamp Bray Wyatt again, uh, I don't want to see The Fiend lose to Roman Reigns. And I don't want to see The Fiend beat Roman Reigns. So... I was like, I, I don't want to see this feud. I, this is not the right time. Wait a couple of months, maybe a year, and then get back to it, but not right now. Yeah. Um, as Alex Smith says here, loads of history. Roman beating him at every pay-per-view, except when Harper returned that one time. Yeah, that's the point, because he wants revenge. That's, that's what we're saying, right? That's why Wyatt would want to face him, because he lost to him so much. Um, I mean... My main problem with The Fiend is the matches, right? Like, the the that's ultimately what you want to see, and that should be the culmination of all of the great story work and character work that he does. I mean, we've already said the Seth one was an abomination um, for both of them. 
Um, but ultimately, for me, like a finisher fest does nothing. I've said this before. Even the both world title matches at WrestleMania this year, nothing for me. Because it's just, what's the point of that? Getting in there and doing finishes for a couple of minutes. Like some people are like, oh, you know, it's chaos and it's cool. Like, it's not for me. And The Fiend, every match really is him kicking out of finishers. You can't put him down and then he overwhelms you. Like, okay. I mean, once you've seen that, I'm glad the red light went. But once you see that, it's a bit like I've seen it. And... How can you really get excited for that? And especially when I know that Bray Wyatt is a good worker. Like, you know, I remember him and Brian at the Royal Rumble and, um, you know, matches, you know, you've got plenty of good matches in his back pocket. I just, yeah, I feel like they have to evolve that character. Yeah, they have to, yeah. they have to move it forward. And I've said this before, you have to find out what his weaknesses are. What does Alexa Bliss mean to his psyche? And you have to, you know, peel back the layers so that people can have these different, matches or interactions with him otherwise i feel like they're booking themselves into a corner a little bit but i don't know man here we go uh another super chat before we close out the show a good direction for roman after usos is with joe romans from the true family similar to last time but joe falls in line and joins the faction too listen metal bear again very much welcome your super chat i have campaigned for that loads on Twitter. I've been one of the most prominent voices before it's even a thing. I was like, wouldn't a Samoan faction be amazing? I said this to Samoa Joe at the Royal Rumble in an interview and he was like, what? <laughs> he was like, no. Um, he really did not like the idea uh, and I was really surprised mid-interview that he did not like it. Um, he basically said, why would you just put us all together just because we're Samoan? Um, and I didn't really have an answer for him. I didn't really think about it until then. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah actually, I suppose that's mildly offensive. Like, I, I get what he means. Um, it's just that kind of wrestling almost programs you to think that. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, and of course, with Roman and Usos, they are actual family, so it makes more sense. Um, I, I would, I would personally still think, I still think it would be cool because only because I think. Samoa Joe has great chemistry with Roman character-wise. I know they didn't always have amazing matches, but they they rubbed each other. When they were kind of together with the Roman attacking feud last year, storyline, I thought that was going somewhere great. And then Samoa Joe was kind of just dropped out of the story, which was, I mean, that whole story, we could do a whole hour on that. They mucked it up. They mucked it up terribly. But um, for me... I would love to see Samoa Joe back in the ring full stop SP3. So that's one thing. Um, if he goes with Roman, I I don't think I'll get the, I don't think I want to, I don't think I'll get the success I want to see for Joe. It will just be fed. Um, and if he fell in line, that I guess that'd be cool, but it would also be a bit weird. I think Samoa Joe has been scarred by bad stables in his TNA pass. Whether it was <laughs> a part of, Main event mafia or the stable main event mafia. Bite your tongue. I mean, no, the main event mafia was great. Just Samoa Joe in the main event mafia was not yes. great. Like, <laughs> and, very and there was the nation of violence with him walking around with a machete and half of like a, a half of a back tattoo on his face. Um, it was just really bad with his history there. I think the only good stable he was a part of in TNA was the beatdown clan which is now the Hurt Business. So maybe if he joins something like that, I would be more into it. But Samoa Joe is the type of character. He... Yeah, that's a good question as well. No, no, it's not. <laughs> what do you mean? 
<laughs> I I'm a fan of the hurt business, but I that's a good question. Why does it why does it exist? I yeah, mean, for those listening on podcast, let's let's say uh, Dustin Yola says, "Why does the hurt business exist?" Um, what do you mean? I think MVP has been knocking it out of the park. Bobby Lashley is infinitely more interesting with MVP next to him. Uh, Shelton Benjamin was doing nothing. Now he's interesting again. Uh, Cedric Alexander, he needed that new coat of paint. Like, come on now. What do you mean, why do they exist? They're a good they're a good stable, but it just seems like a whole bunch of cliches and slogans instead of explaining, like, why they're together. So I get, I get the question of why does it exist? It just seems mm-hmm. like a whole that- bunch of cliches and scripted lines like we're the hurt business because we're in the business of hurting people so no, I, I get that but get they have that. made they have made it quite clear that they're about their business about making money like green is the only color they care about right and yeah. and they want to win titles to do that bobby lashley has one they're looking at the tag titles now i don't think it's i don't think it's like that convoluted do you know what i mean i i, I get what you're saying in terms of the delivery of promo sometimes but um i I think they're a welcome change of pace. I thought the moment they had with Retribution at the end of that Raw that time was super cool. Um, unfortunately, they haven't done that much from there because it's just been downhill for Retribution. But anyway, the strongest stable on on the main roster. <laughs> for what that's worth, sure, sure, sure yeah. <laughs> um, Matthew Gamel, thank you, my friend. The Fiend will become the new Kane in a year or two. Um, what do you mean, dim, dim, demasked or <laughs> like I don't know? You know like sincerely less muscly I don't, I don't know like Kane um I, I thought like first five, when did he debut 97 till about 2003 basically shortly after the demasking and he had the shame at man feud and all that stuff and then it kind of started to go downhill for me with Kane like he lost his aura a little bit um I still kind of loved him just because I did but he was definitely the the, the incarnation that was around sort of the turn of the millennium was my favorite Kane. Um, so is that what you're trying to say that he's going to kind of fall down a peg or two and just become another guy? Um, what do you think SB three? Um, I don't think they will go that route because it's been 18 months and, and usually it lasts three weeks with most WWE uh, pushes and monster characters. I mean, we've seen Braun Strowman. He kind of, was devalued after the Roman Reigns feud, but I think that they have been much more consistent with the Fiend, where he's not going to go down the Kane route. I think that I agree with I agree with you, but to a shorter term, from ninety seven through ninety eight, I was all about Kane, and then the you know the X Pac feud, I was still with Kane, and then the X Pac and Kane breaking up. Uh, storyline that's where Kane went downhill for me honestly X-Pac and Tori's Christmas getaway (laughs) lest we forget they made Kane into a a, a cuckold basically pretty yeah a seven foot (laughs) cuckold who would have thunk it anyway anyway uh, what a note to end this show on because I can't believe it the hour is up Uh, thank you so much guys for tuning in once again Thank you so much for the Super Chats. They were great tonight. Once again, really enjoyed that. Uh, Thank you to SB3. I will concede the victor of the first ever Wrestling Daily Debate. Uh, Kenny Omega is your in-ring superstar of 2020. Uh, Thank you to SB3 in general, man. Loved it. Thank you so much. Can't wait to have you again next Wednesday. In the meantime, you can check you out where... 
on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel. We got our weekly podcast on Saturdays and all great content daily over there. So check me out over there. But I'll be back next Wednesday. And maybe we got another debate in our in our pocket right now. We'll have to think of one. Like At one point there, I did have to think to myself, I'm just arguing for the sake of arguing now. Like, I think I have to admit that I'm losing here. Anyway, um, it takes a big man to do that, all right? It takes a big no. man to admit defeat. Uh, so thank you once again, guys. Really enjoyed you all in the comments that have tuned in. And once again, you can catch us on podcasts. If you haven't already, Spotify, Apple, Acast, all of the good ones, guys, you can go get us. And please subscribe to Wrestle2 and follow us on Twitter now. They've yeah. just launched, we've launched a new page there. SP3 is on Twitter. You see his handle in the top right. Make sure you hit those guys up. So once again, from us, I will see you tomorrow with Steph Chase. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.